What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to a new episode of Phoenix MMA Podcast. Uh, heading home from the Nashville Open day one. So, um, yeah, figured I had a, a couple things to go over. Uh, update uh, on the first day. We, the only person we had that competed in Gi was Hunter. Um, Hunter won his division. Um, uh, he went up, I say he went up a weight class. He just, uh, yeah, his prime weight class is probably one weight below. But, uh, um does well at both weights, but went up a week class so he can enjoy life and eat and, uh, yeah, go out and have dinner and stuff like that, so, um, but won his division and, um, had a tough final match, but, um, but yeah, won, and, uh, so, uh, Nashville Open champion, uh, right now Hunter's ranked first, uh, for Blue Belt, uh, for Master One, so that's gonna, um, that should solidify or, or help him get, get him more points uh, to keep his number one position um, in case there's another, you know, opens. There could be the Chicago Open this weekend. It's hard to keep up with all of them, all the IBJJF tournaments now. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, but uh, heading home from the tournament. So unpack a couple things uh, and something actually during open mat earlier today. Uh, one of uh, our students asked me, um, uh, asked me about competing tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow we have Jackson, Carter, Hunter, and myself all competing for the Nogi Day. Uh, one of our students, uh, Ben, asked me if I get nervous. Um, yeah, of course I get nervous, but it's not. It's not. Uh, once you get enough, once you get enough experience, it's not nerves like uh, like you feel your first couple of years you're competing. The nerves are more like uh, like the adrenaline rush of um, yeah. It's not it's not a fearful nervous or like a negative nervous. It's a exciting uh, adrenaline rush, um, which which it can spill over into being negative. But a couple tips uh, I was talking to Ben about with this, um, and uh, and we every you know at some point everybody needs to hear this. But we got two students that are uh, that are competing that really need to hear this that are coming up. Um, so this podcast is. Uh, going to be focused on confidence, um, uh, game day or day before, uh, game day competition, uh, confidence for, for when you're getting ready for a fight or a tournament, um, uh, little tips and stuff that I, uh, was talking about to Ben. Um, so this is, this is going to be specific and, you know, you still learn from it even if you're not a competitor, but, uh, advice for, um, our people that, um, that are in this, in this stage of their, competition career or if you're trying to get to that stage so um uh this one you'll hear me talk about being uh humble and uh not being a douchebag or not being an arrogant prick or whatever like you'll hear me talk about that a lot um it's just a protection mechanism uh for my my goal is i want everybody in our gym to be as good as possible and i want the ones that want to compete at a world level i want to that's my goal is i want to create um, several world champions. Um, so the, the humility, the reason why I talk about being humble and the humility being so important, um, is it's just, it's a governing mechanism. It's a, you have to have it. If you don't have it, um, and you become really good, that's, that's what'll turn you into a tyrant. Or again, you'll just be the, you'll be the best guy in the room, but you'll just be a, um, obnoxious prick that nobody wants to be around. Um, and they'll be all just looking for your downfall. Now, 
even if you're just good, you know, when you're good at something, people are going to dislike you for that reason, or if they're not on your team, they're going to dislike you, but, um, but there's a difference between somebody just hating on you because, uh, and you, and you've done nothing bad, there's no reason, they're just hating on you just because you're good, or, um, you're disciplined, uh, versus you're, you're good, you're disciplined, but you're also just, you know, you're just, uh, like rude, you're just rude or, uh, immoral, um, because uh, it's not just how you treat people. It's not just being like, hey, nice. There's there's a morality component as well um, that, that can happen. But um, but this one is going to be on confidence because if, uh, if you focus on humility too much, you can be really, really good and, um, and not compete as, as well as you should. Uh, so we have... I have two students that I'm really thinking of uh, that are in mind when I think of this. It's... Uh, Xavier and Xavier's got a kickboxing bout uh, next weekend, next Friday's fighting uh, for a Gogi uh, kickboxing bout, and then we have Jackson. Jackson's competing tomorrow uh, for the uh, the Nashville Open, also. So uh, both uh, Jackson and Xavier are both very, very good. Um, they're they're very strong for their weight. They're very strong. Um, they're well conditioned. Uh, they're flexible. They are obsessed with uh, the sport. They train six days a week, seven days a week, two, three times a day. Um, but, but this this can happen. It's really funny how this can happen. As uh, you can have somebody who's like not very good at all, but their ego is is terribly inflated, and they, they train once a week or once every other week, and um, and they're really arrogant. They're they think that they're really good. Or, you know, sometimes you always have it with God. It's like talked about how good he used to be. Um, but, but even if you train with the guys that, he, that used to train with him back in the day, he was, you know, he was like, he wasn't like bad or anything, but he was average, but it's just a um, distorted reality. So uh, that can happen where people will have a distorted reality, uh, especially men, just uh, part of the thing. I, I think uh, women on average, uh, like downplay their skills and then men on average up uh over over compensate or sorry overplay their skills and uh, um i think that's pretty common uh, i think testosterone just has a, a part of that um part, a big part to play with that but um uh but yeah so xavier and jackson are both good examples of two two young students who um are very very good and they have every reason to be confident uh but Honestly, most of the time when they compete, are not as confident as they as they should be or they could be. Um, now, the the thing is, part of this, the tips is like uh, you can't just fake it. Um, uh, the people who fake the confidence, uh, the um, the you know the ones that are really arrogant, really confident, um, and and they're not very good, they're not very skilled. Their secret, the only way that they can stay uh, so confident and arrogant is that they just never challenge themselves. They never compete. So they're, you know, they're just the dude that's always, you know, when he's drinking a beer or whatever, they're talking about how good they are and this and that and all this stuff, but they never actually get out there and test it. Um, every once in a while they will, and when those dudes got, do, they, they feel the same stress and anxiety that everybody else feels, and then it humbles them and it brings them back to reality. Um, but most of the time, they don't, they don't return to competition. So the thing is, um, if you compete regularly, you're constantly challenging yourself, you're constantly exposing yourself, um, all of your flaws, um, and, and with it being an individual sport, there's nobody you can blame 
for dropping the ball or you know missing a block or anything like that. So you get all the glory, but you get all the all the shame or all the the loss too. Um, so that can that can what that can cause is somebody who is one of the best people in the world, like George St. Pierre, um, still like ha- having negative thoughts leading up to a competition. Um, and the thing is, like somebody like George St. Pierre. Um, had terrible negative ruminations and thoughts his entire championship run his entire like uh and it it drove him to train to a insane degree and and uh you know work on everything um but george also worked with sports psychologists to 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 help him uh get better in this in this uh category some people some people are naturally uh you know less good at it like say george st pierre and then some people are uh you know naturally or genetically uh more predisposed like have an advantage with it like a gordon ryan would be a good example um he's very very good but he can also uh his his mental game is very very sharp with his confidence um so the thing is if if you're not uh self-delusioned and if you're not um you're not stupid like you know you're, you're not stupid you're a smart person um uh say again we'll just say a jackson or uh jackson or xavier um they're both young as well and confidence is going to grow with with age um uh through experience um so your your first confidence is going to build is going to come from experience so it's going to come from previous uh tournaments that you've done times you've done well so objective reality you've you've done well at tournaments uh, before now the thing is if you compete enough you're gonna lose sometimes it's just part of the game so uh and you gotta understand the negativity bias that humans like we we weight anything negative we weight heavier than positive so you could go win 10 matches and then you lose one and uh, and you got to fight against that, that it could that it could uh, wipe out those ten wins. So first thing you got to do is understand that you have uh, humans. We have a negativity bias. Uh, you need to give yourself credit on the wins that you win, whether you win them awesome, you know, pretty, perfect, ugly, all all of them. Take credit for it. Um, previous things, losses in the past. You have to realize that's just the past. You're not the same person that you were um, at that time. You learn from the mistakes. You're better now. Um, then you also want to build confidence off of how you're doing in the gym. Um, how can you hang with, you know, if it's wrestling, how can you hang with a state champion in the practice room? How can you hang with, um, you know, if I tra- if you train in our gym, it's like, uh, you know, I'll speak to like Jackson. Like, how can you hang with Hunter? It's like number one, uh, two, oh, let's say three weight classes above you, two or three weight classes above you, uh, number one ranked in the world right now, blue belts. Like, how, how can you hang with them? How are you doing? So, uh, so in the gym and then previous competition, and then also like, uh, you, you, so where this conversation came from was Ben asked me about, uh, me being nervous tomorrow. Um, I will have some negative thoughts that'll pop in my head, but what I tell myself ultimately, um, the parable of the plank is, is a, is a good, uh, thing to listen to as well. I suggest on competition day, game day to listen to the parable of the plank, uh, Donna Hurst, little breakdown he gives his athletes is uh, a great thing to listen to a day of competition. Um, but for me, uh, once you have enough experience, so again, this would, I'm using Xavier and Jackson. Um, I've t- I know I've told uh, Xavier this before. Xavier is now, he started training with us when he was 14. He had wrestled prior to that, and he just turned 18. Um, and Xavier, one of the reasons why people like him so much, Jackson as well, is because they are humble, they are polite, uh, they don't bend the rules or break the rules, they, they play by the rules of the sport they're doing, um, 
they don't just if if they're better than somebody they don't just try to uh, clown on them or anything and then if if it's somebody who's really really good it, it activates their their hyper competitive side um, and both of them I could trust to, to uh, spar with a six year old in the kids class and perfectly fine but all both of them could also do a live match with a black belt world champion their same weight and give them a good match um, so uh, that's a, like they're they're doing great with that so that's a thing that they're they're positive so for both of them um, they've put so much work in and they do put so much work in still that basically the in the the same thing I tell myself is uh, Corey you're good at jiu-jitsu uh, you're better than good you're actually very good at jiu-jitsu um, I usually don't tell myself that, but when it comes to a week of competition, day before competition, day of competition, you have to remind yourself, hey, you actually have dedicated a lot of your life to this, your entire life to it. Um, and you are, you're not just good, you're very good at this. You know that you're very good from the track record background in the gym and competitions, but you've put so much time into this, you're very good at this. You're also in great shape. You train all the time, all the time for, you know, there's no question of, will you, if you get tired in three matches or five matches, it's, uh, it's not a physical conditioning uh, thing, it's more of a mental conditioning or diet or allergies or sickness, things like this, but um, you're pushing your body so hard that you are, your body is in, you know, in a, in a you know, you're like a sports car shape, uh, you're, you're very flexible, you have great cardio, and you're very strong for your size. Um, so with that, and, and skill is also there. With all these components that are there, if there's no injury present, you know, there's no sickness or something like that, you have to remind yourself, like, this is this is what I do. This is what I'm built for. This is what I have, uh, this is what I've built my machine for. This is what I've, con- this is why I constantly pound it week after week, month after month. The biggest thing at this level, at a high-level competition, um, is... You have to remind yourself that I have all of that. I just need to make sure that when the competition begins, I go. Meaning that you, we want to eliminate hesitation. So, of course, like, you know, all the other things I've gone over with the podcast, um, warm-ups and, uh, here, one second, well, warm-ups and, um, you know, your warm-up and your diet, you know, make everything's on point where you make weight cr- properly. But we're saying all that aside day of competition when you are you know you're, you're there you're ready you have experience and you know what you're doing you need to you need to say to yourself like no matter where I am I can score no matter what my opponent does I can score no matter how much I'm down on points or how bad a position I'm in I can score and I can submit my opponent I can beat my opponent so that way you have to you have to look through it through like almost a, uh, through like an extreme optimist uh, viewpoint um, you have to get rid of that the natural pessimism. You need to think of it through an extreme optimistic viewpoint where, hey, if my opponent gets in on a single leg, he's not going to be able to take me down with a single leg. If he does take me down, he's not going to be able to hold me down, or I'm going to score immediately off the single leg. Then you have to repeat that in your mind, and and uh, this is where the, the thing that you need to remind yourself of how good you are, how much time you've put into it, how good a shape you're in, where if you don't pause or hesitate, it's going to be, it's really hard to, to beat a guy and to stop a guy that just won't give up on himself. Lots of people that are very good, they, they just give up on themselves. If they're down by four points, they, they relax, they let a big sigh out, they breathe, and 
and and then you you basically have them, and it's a really good guy. But the, the guy that you're beating, you could be beating him say uh, six to two, but he just will not stop. Even if um, even if he uh, say um, wins the match six two, he'll walk off the mat like just like man, I barely got out of that. I barely got that guy was on me the whole time. And if you go, if you compete with the optimistic viewpoint of, hey, there's 20 seconds left, I can still win. There's 10 seconds left, I can still win. You will end up actually pulling out wins like that, where you might might be down on points, but because you just don't give up on yourself. Um, now, so with that, what I would say to Jackson, what I say to Xavier is, you're both very good. You're in great. Your cardio is great. You could you can go for an hour and a half straight without stopping. For your weight, you're extremely strong. You're both very, very strong for your weight. Uh, your skill, both of you have done combat sports since middle school and you're 18 and 20. So it's like you have, you know, let's say, um, say age, uh, you know, say 12 or 14 uh, to 18 and 20, and you haven't put in the average amount of hours that a normal person, They both of them have been putting in two, three sessions per day uh, for years. Um, so now it's the time for you to um, get to enjoy, you know, all of your labor and all your work, all the work that you've put in uh, to create the, the machine that your body is right now and the skill that you have as well. Now it's now it's your fun, uh, time to enjoy it. Um, and so with that, when you go and you start your match, um, obviously you still need to have a game plan. Holland, one second, I'm almost done. Um, but with uh, with that, you do need to have a game plan. You need to have a strategy of, you know, your, say, two main moves in every position. Um, and then the creativity is going to come in as well once you hit your flow state and when your opponent, you know, they, they throw throw a wrench in your plan or whatever adjustments or if something presents itself. You're, you're, so you want to have a blueprint that you're prepared to follow. Um, and then you uh, you do need to let go and you need to you need to go. Um most of the time, high-level competition is going to be uh, a larger percentage of flow state and relying on your training and experience, uh, and then a smaller portion of conscious effort and thought, which is going to come from yourself and your coaches uh, off of when you need to make an adjustment uh, in the match. Um, so, so, and it's a mix of both. You'll go into a flow state. Uh, and then from that flow state, you'll have little spurts of conscious thoughts where you'll notice uh, your opponent's reaction with their leg and um, different things. And then you'll you'll be able to uh, do an audible or adapt in the match. Um, but um, but yeah, you need to you need to let yourself go. Uh, don't worry about making a mistake um, because honestly, even if you make a mistake or they get a good position, um, just go. Be confident that you that you should know how good it is how good both of you are it's really hard to hold you down it's really hard uh for xavier it's really hard to hit you it's really hard to score if if both of them if jackson and xavier don't pause or hesitate the real extreme anybody that can beat them is going to be uh, insanely good like really really good uh the tough thing is uh the, the difficult part, the, the mental part, why this is so important is it's very difficult to, um, I don't know if you can um, perform above what your actual uh, skill level is, um, but it's easy to underperform. So you can underperform by by not having enough confidence. Uh, you know, somebody like George St. Pierre uh, with, 
uh, his confidence issues and uh, stress issues, um, he, he, that's how good he was that he could succeed even if he's like, you know, operating at 85%, 90%. When you see the the crazy, crazy, like the, I mean, George Ampere is a crazy outlier, but when you combine that uh, insane skill, uh, uh, athleticism, with the correct mental uh, framework, then you then you get something special when somebody's operating at 100% or 98, 99%. Um, so that's what uh, this is like the inner dialogue I use for myself. Uh, so suggesting it for easy easy ones to pick on that are coming up tomorrow. Jackson competing and Xavier competing, uh, but this one the confidence is uh, you guys need to realize uh, how much work you put in, how good you are. Um, if you go to another gym, like, you know, they're both blue belts, but it's, it's like, if you go to another gym, how many black belts do you tap at other gyms? How many black belts that are heavier than you do you tap? Who can, like, how often are people tired when they walk away from you? Um, and then, then, again, the reason why I always talk about the being humble is before competition, for competition, and game day competition, you need to have this confident invincibility mode. Um, and it's not a uh, arrogance. Arrogance, uh, I think of it as a, the term wise is uh, arrogance, not the correct thing. You want to be confident, but aware, alert, um, and prepared. When you're arrogant to me, it's it. Uh, I think of arrogance more as uh, you think nobody can do anything to you, uh, and then you will make mistakes. Uh, to me, confidence is not the same as, uh, or obviously they're different words, but yeah, confidence. Not be confident, but not arrogant. And then once the competition's over. Um, you know, enjoy, enjoy yourself and, uh, be happy with what you did. Um, and then, and then you actually want to go back to that, uh, humility state so that, um, so that you don't, you know, take two weeks off eating and drinking and just partying and stuff like, Hey, I'm so good. I don't need to get back to, you know, back to the grind, back to work. So you turn on the super confidence and then right after the competition, you enjoy everything. And then the next day you wake up, you look at, you know, where you won all your matches and then you, you dissect it, you tear it down, and then you find what you need to work on and uh, fix and improvements to make. Um, and then, then it's going to be crazy. And then, and that's a good balancing act too, so that your your ego doesn't get too inflated. Um, yeah. So this one on confidence, lots of times talking about it, humility. I think, I think your average person needs to have more humility humility in their life. That's why I talk about it more often. Um, I think your average person needs that. Your average person is way uh, more. Uh, arrogant and confident than they they should be. I, you got to see over the week if you haven't seen it, but somebody picking a fight with Nate Diaz, uh, uh, New Orleans, I believe, and Nate Diaz does a standing guillotine to him. This is an example of what I mean. Like, just people are confident for no reason. Um, but uh, the but also the uh, I was going to say the they're confident for no reason, and uh, um, and then people who should be confident are underconfident. Uh, so it's a funny, I, I believe it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect, but it's, yeah, the, the less somebody knows something about something, the more arrogant and confident they are. And then as they, uh, as you get more skilled in something, your, your confidence and your belief in the amount of knowledge you know drops because you realize how much you don't know. But then when you get close back to a mastery level, your confidence uh, gets back in line with the beginner. So it's pretty funny. The beginner, who has no reason to be confident, uh, can be sometimes just as confident as the expert, uh, which is which is fun. It's really fun. I mean, this is there's a 
probably what ran into that Nate Diaz. It's really funny to see when when you get to see it actually play out. Um, you know, most of the time those guys won't they won't they won't sign up for a tournament. They won't sign up for a tournament. They're not going to sign up for an actual fight event. Uh, uh, but in the moment with alcohol and anger, uh, then they'll 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 step into the experts world and then be reminded that they're a novice and they have no idea what they're doing. Uh, you know, but um, but yeah. So. Uh, and the other thing with this, if you listen to this and you're like, well, uh, I, my cardio isn't great, my strength and condition and my strength isn't great, my skill isn't great, um, then uh, I would suggest don't don't lie to yourself. You know, you don't have to beat yourself up when you're going into a competition and tear yourself down or anything. You still want to find your positive points. Um, but I wouldn't suggest uh, putting on a fake until you make it or a fake uh, persona of how good you are because experts will see through that. People that are really good will see through it. Um, and again, you'll just run into objective reality and it'll crush you. It'll crush you uh, harder. So, um, like I plan on doing the uh, after my weight class, I plan on doing the absolute division. Um, and I know exactly where I stand in the absolute with my weight class. And uh, I know several of the opponents in the division. I know who could give me threats and issues. So um, depending on their weight class and their skill set, several of the black belts that, that couldn't get in the absolute. Um, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to fake it until I make it and just be arrogant and act like, hey, there's there's no way that uh, nobody in the absolute could beat me. Uh, I know how they could beat me, so I'm preparing for it. So, um but yeah, if you if you feel like your conditioning is not where it needs to be, then we need to emphasize your conditioning. You know, your skill wise, you need to emphasize your skill. Uh, that could be coming to more classes. Uh, that could be buying an instructional. That could be doing a private lesson. Um, that could be studying tape. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but fine if you if you feel insecure in something, uh, that's just letting you know. Uh, you know, wherever you feel insecure and you don't feel. Uh, strong enough that's letting you point you in the direction of what you need to work on and uh, the nice thing is all these things are uh, actually not too complicated um, lifting's not too complicated cardio is not too complicated uh, uh, jiu is not too complicated now I know saying it sounds crazy uh, with all of these lifting cardio um, and uh, jujitsu you can either use educational resources books instructionals um, etc or you can always pay a professional uh, for all of those to get you a, a workout plan, conditioning, um, uh, and then jujitsu as well. That's like a shortcut straight to it. Uh, but they're all they're all doable. They're all doable because of uh, um, technology and podcast and YouTube and just living in the United States. And um, so it's all accessible. And they're they're really all those things are fun to do. So, uh, uh, but yeah, for everybody competing uh, tomorrow, you know, realize how hard you work and. Um, be confident and then of course Jackson and Xavier you guys are hitting uh you guys are hitting a peak right now so uh you really need to be confident and just um doesn't mean be arrogant what I mean by be confident is every time a negative thought pops in your head oh no what if the guy gets my back oh no what if I'm down uh by points or around or something oh no what if the guy gets in on a single leg as long as you just don't stop it's you can score anywhere you can score anywhere you can win any round uh and you can beat anybody anybody in your division in your weight class you can anybody both of them anybody in the world um they they just have to be confident anybody that's uh you know xavier's still building his uh kickboxing skill but he's getting he's starting to get into a seasoned striker so at a, but at an amateur level for kickboxing amateurs uh xavier's going to be competitive with anybody 
Um, same with his wrestling. He just needs uh, just needs to let go. And Jackson, um, if he doesn't win uh, Nogi World Championship this year, I'll be very surprised. Uh, you know, whether you know, it's got to be an injury or sickness, or he just runs into another uh, little freak like him, and uh, and then they'll have a really cool match. And um, and also the way to just let it go, just just do, just just do, just just go, don't stop. If you lose, it's not the end of the world. Like you, uh, yeah. Every every time you lose, you get better too. So even if you lose, it's you know two to two. Lose by an advantage or overtime, you know, it's super tight. Still going to make you better, and this is not the end. But uh, but uh, both of you guys are at a point. You should start enjoying all the work you've put in. So uh, yeah, hope you guys got something from this uh, episode of the podcast. And uh, tomorrow we got uh, the Nashville Open post all those updates and uh the match time so if you want to come uh support and watch the team compete all the matches look like they're going to be between 1 p.m and 3 p.m for the weight classes i don't know if the absolute will be after 3 p.m or not but right now the schedule it looks like everything's between 1 p.m and uh 3 p.m uh and if you don't want to come to the tournament we're also open tomorrow the gym one to three open mat so uh feel free uh come to the gym train or uh, come see the tournament if you would like to on your sunday all right see you see everybody What's up, everybody? Thanks for uh, tuning in, downloading a new episode of the Phoenix MMA podcast. I've been uh, meaning to do this one for a while, for several months. Um, excited to do it. Uh, excited to finally uh, do this one. Um, like I said, I've been meaning to do this one for months, and other things have popped up. Um, but I also didn't want to rush this one because uh, I want this one to be high quality. So this one is uh, how to be a good coach, uh, what I think, my interpretation um, from studying and experience what I think it takes to be a good coach, be a good teacher, a good leader of a team or organization. Um, so, and this is, uh, this is like my interpretation or what my standard is, the, the standard that I am trying to work towards. Um, this is my goal. Uh, you could add or you know, I'm sure there's there's more, and ten years from now I'll have uh, more in depth on this. But um, yeah, this is going to be my goal and uh, of being a good coach, being a good teacher, um, and and all ultimately this is going to go to you. Uh, this will, if you're going to be a coach, this obviously is going to be that that's where it'll translate the most directly. Whether it's jujitsu or it could be anything, you could be a leader in your uh, company you work at. Um, sales organization, law enforcement, etc. Um, I would say these uh, would translate well into uh, any other thing where you're in a leadership role, um, and that's gonna and ultimately you're you're gonna be there at some point uh, if you ever have children or with your family members when there's something that happens bad in your life. You know, mom dies, dad dies, something. Um, so uh, so yeah, it's. Um, yeah, so uh, I think it's it, again. This is my thing on a coach, but uh, everybody I think can um, is gonna. Everybody's gonna be a coach or in a leadership position at some point. Sometimes you're gonna be the follower, uh, and sometimes you'll be the leader. Um, there's never um, just where you're just one thing. You're gonna be multiple uh, things. So um, we're gonna start it with. Uh, there's a, a video that I listen to. If uh, I probably listen to it every other month, every every sixty ninety days, I listen to it because I really like it and I like to watch it too because it has a bunch of my favorite movies. So if you like to nerd out, if you want to watch this, the video it's called "What Makes a Great King: Exploring the Archetype of the King in Movies and Television," and the channel is called "Like Stories of Old." Um, so I'm gonna play that first. Um, 
Um, I'm going to play that, uh, the video first. And if you want to watch it yourself, you can go straight to it right now and watch it. Uh, it's, uh, cause the, the, the videos is entertaining. If you like Lord of the Rings and it's, uh, it's a bunch of stuff, a bunch of good clips that give you a visual, um, explanation while, while it's, uh, the, the audio as well. But if you're driving or something like that, and, uh, right now you just want to listen, I'm going to, I'm going to play it. And I hope the quality is, uh, hopefully, hopefully the quality comes through good from my computer. So, and then I'll pause it as well. And I'll give, uh, my, you know, things in it from, uh, my notes and, um, yeah, so we'll start it. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So the first, this will be the first part. All right. What does it mean to be a king? In their book, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette analyzed mythological stories to conceptualize four archetypes of the male psyche that help men become more well-rounded, mature human beings. In my video on Moonlight, I looked at the lover archetype. Today, I want to explore the archetype of the king. The king archetype is primal in each man and is also referred to as the king energy or the father energy. Fully accessing this archetype is said to be the closest a man can come to divinity or godhood. As the name suggests, the king archetype is historically speaking most clearly demonstrated by men in the role of kings, emperors and other rulers whose task it was to channel this archetype to the people of the realm. In essence, they were the link between the human world and the divine one. Accessing the archetypical king is done by performing two functions. The first one is ordering and the second one is providing fertility and blessing. Let's begin with ordering. The king is the central archetype, which is often visualized by the central place from which the king oversees and rules his world, with the world being defined as that part of reality that is ordered and organized by the king. Outside of his influence lies non-creation, chaos and the demonic. That's beyond our borders. You must never go there, Silver. The first task of the king is to know where the kingdom begins and where it ends, be it the north of Westeros the king in the north. or the home of the apes. The king's kingdom is always clearly defined. Within the boundaries of his realm, the king is responsible for establishing a right order, which is basically a manifestation of the divine ordering principles of the universe. Those aspects of the king energy that the mortal king translates into societal structures. He does this by codifying laws and building what can be called a cultural zeitgeist. Most importantly, the king embodies these principles in his own person, lives them in his own life. No retreat, no surrender, no by Spartan law. And by Spartan law, we will stand and fight and die. If he embodies these principles successfully, everything in his realm will also go according to the right order and the kingdom will flourish. Which brings us to the second function of the king, provide. 
Okay. <clears throat> so the first function for this, the the king, or this would be a coach leader. It'd be really anything that you're looking for. Anytime you're a sales leader, or you know, you could, this could be mayor or governor or whatever, whatever president. Uh, again, this one for coach. Um, this one's going to be focused on uh, combat sports. Being a coach, um, the focus. Um, so the first thing, the the first role or job of the the coach um, is ordering. Uh, so the ordering, ordering of the, the, of the codifying, what ordering is codifying rules or laws. Um, um, so the codifying rules or laws would be, um, the, for the, for the gym. Uh, so for instance, with our live takedowns, don't spike people on their head. So if you're doing a mat return, don't return somebody on their head. Um, no jumping, uh, takedowns, no jumping submissions. Um, so what you're trying to do is you're trying to, um, you're trying to use minimum force necessary on when it comes to laws or rules. There have to be laws and rules, but there's a balancing act where whenever you create a law or rule, um, you're always limiting the options that people can do. Um, so that's why the minimum force necessary is really important uh, because or the minimum rules necessary. You, you need rules that are necessary so that um, so that you can do it at scale. something what I mean by it, scale, scale just means can you multiply it? So can the behavior if the behavior is done by every single person in the room, can the room still be cohesive? Can it be positive? Um, will there not be a lot of injuries? What's something that if everybody acts in this way, so everybody is just as valuable as the next person, nobody's more valuable than the other person, everybody equal equal rights, equal value, if everybody can do this, or if everybody behaves this way, will it break? So that's a that's like will it break or will it function? So with the you know don't don't mat return people in their head, no jumping takedowns, um, stay in your area where you have the 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 I measured the the starting positions for the mat space and I measured them equal distance from each other to try to give everybody a equal amount of space. You know, watch watch your neighbors. Don't just crash into the group beside you. When I say hey, if you're sparring and your defensive or offensive technique requires you to go into the group beside you, you need to select a different technique to do, or you have to tap your partner and say, hey, pause button, let's scoot back over open mat space, okay? So you have to have control yourself. You don't just get to just act like a wild animal and run all the way over the mat, um, because if somebody does that to you, you're not gonna like it. And I say you're not gonna like it. You're not gonna like it if they roll into your knee or they fall into your knee and they blow out your knee. Um, uh, oftentimes people that, act savage or act hard. I'm so hard. I'm so savage. It's like, no, you're not. You're just selfish. You're not actually savage. It's just, you're just in a place where everybody else is behaving and you're the one that's acting hard or whatever. You just, you're the one. The funny thing to me is when people act real hard or they make their voice talk like this or whatever. I'm like, hey dude, or you walk around like, oh, I'm so tough. Fun thing is the, the toughest, most dangerous people I've ever met don't act that way. Um, they don't put a fake filter on their voice. They they talk, they're chill, they're down to earth, um, and they don't walk around like they don't walk around with their chest puffed out and like they're carrying imaginary suitcases. Um, 
It's like, dude, you're 150 pounds, 170 pounds, 185 pounds. Like you, you ain't got no imaginary suitcases you're carrying around. Um, but, uh, the, the toughest, most dangerous people I've met don't act like that. Like all American, like, uh, wrestlers, division one wrestlers, pro MMA fighters, jujitsu world champions, special forces. Like they, that's not how they act, but people that are trying to act like those, that's what they think that they can do. It's like a defense mechanism or it's to, to put everybody else on their heels. Um, but they only fool them. The only person that you're fooling is yourself. When you do that, you don't fool actual, like, high level people. Um, you fool yourself and then you, you fool other people that just don't know if they don't have enough experience. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the codified rules, those are just some of the rules you had. I know sometimes when I'm, people get frustrated with me when I'm uh, instilling rules, but again, it is to make sure that everybody can train and get as good as possible with the least amount of injuries, but also that everybody can coexist in the gym together. And so that it doesn't break down. Okay. Um, and look, some people don't like rules and, um, and I, I'm, I try to, I know one of the reasons why is because lots of times teachers or authoritarians will say, just don't do this. Um, don't do that. It's a rule. Um, and I think one fault that a lot of coaches or leaders have is they don't give enough actual explanation. They just say, Hey, don't do this. Um, and, uh, inst- instead something I picked up from John Donaher on his, uh, his instructional on the, the way to prevent injuries, uh, in the gym, uh, that he says every single time with rules, he says, I don't want to be the guy or the teacher that says, Hey, don't do this without telling you what to do instead. Um, I think that's a really important part. Lots of people just stop at the disciplinary, don't do this, but then they don't give a plan of action. So that's really frustrating if you're just telling, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Um, and that's only one half. You, you haven't gone far enough as a leader or a coach. Um, it should be, don't do this, but you can do it this way. So don't do jumping leg scissors live while we're doing live rounds, but do drill them, like drill them with a partner, drill them all the time. Um, don't, uh, don't throw full power on your head kicks when you're sparring, but do pull your head kicks. Like they still throw them, just pull the power on it. Um, you know, uh, don't, don't, uh, like we have it where it's like no, no kickboxing, MMA sparring, open mats on Saturday, Sunday, but do come during the competition class, Tuesday, Thursday, lunchtime, and then Thursday night are dedicated, uh, sparring night. That's that. So instead of just don't do this, there are other options. And then, and then, the then people can adjust their schedule or they can, they can make a priority to, to actually fix things. Um, you know, if, if somebody does a jujitsu move that I think is not the smartest one to do, uh, my goal is to say, Hey, don't do the Peruvian necktie. Instead, do the Japanese necktie and then explain why the Peruvian necktie, they're strong, but if they miss, you lose position. Japanese necktie is just as strong, if not stronger, but if you miss, you haven't lost the dominant position. So, um, so yeah, uh, yeah, with the rules, the, I'm not the biggest rules guy in the world. I'm not, I don't get super excited about rules. Uh, honestly, when we first opened the gym, didn't have enough rules because I'm not the, I, I've really, I don't like authoritarians. So I kind of naturally try not to be an authoritarian and sometimes I do it too little. Um, but it's, it's part of being a coach as well as, as creating rules is, is a part of it. They just need to be good ones. Uh, boundaries, uh, on this video, they mentioned boundaries. So boundaries are, you know, for, uh, for us, for Phoenix MMA, it's, it's our gym. 
it's our, you know, it's our gym. It's our, you know, it, it, and that extends the whole parking lot, everything. So, um, you know, like, uh, the whole, it's like, you know, respect, even if you don't respect your own house or you don't respect your own car, it's like at least, you know, whatever you don't, you don't respect whatever your, your workplace. It's like, you, you need to respect the gym. If you don't respect the gym, you can go somewhere else. So what I mean by that is, um, like you, like, like I'm not, I'm not acting like I'm a saint or anything, but it's just, just think of other people around you. So like the, the neighbors, like, um, you know, I won't be blasting, uh, music with cuss words and stuff. Cause I, the neighbors, like, I don't want them saying, Hey, you know, it's got cuss, cuss words or whatever music going through the walls. I also don't even turn it up that loud because trying to be considerate of when they have business you know, when they have customers and business in as well, the same thing. Um, but if you talk to me in the parking lot, like, um, you know, they're all us, especially our gym, we're next door to a kid's music school. And then the other, the, the store, the other store beside us is like, you know, basically like a FedEx or like a UPS style store. And then we have a church beside that. Um, but it's, it's like, Hey, just have, have some class, like carry yourself with some class. Um, and, and also like, just use your vocabulary. It's, it's just trashy or ratchet to not. And it's, uh, and it's also, it's like, it's, it's not impressive if like out of 10 words, the F word is used three times in a sentence that was 10 times, like, like use your vocabulary. And then also, even if you do, I'm not against cussing or anything, but when you do cuss, it will mean, it'll mean more, it'd be more heavily weighted for whether you're doing it for aggression or if you're doing it for comedy it just lands better when it's uh used sparingly but if it's just it's like if you say a word a sentence um where like a, a really bad speech habit that i have and lots of people have is they say like too much like 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 you know that's not good to say it that often um but people will do the same thing with the F word or whatever. And it's, uh, it just, your, your sentence doesn't sound as good. Your joke doesn't sound as good. Your aggressive, uh, you know, whatever you're addressing, it doesn't sound, it doesn't have as much weight. It just, it means nothing. Um, and also if, if you want to be a coach or a leader, it's like, yeah, you like you, you, one other thing I'll say of being a coach and a leader is like you, you have to carry yourself with, uh, respect and esteem or otherwise you're not going to get it. It's like, if you want to be a joke, then you're going to be a joke. Um, but people don't, people don't follow or look up to a joke. Um, not, and this is the reason why, like the, you, the jester, the joker is still important. The, the joker is, and, and as a leader, you should have a sense of humor, should make jokes. I'm actually working on that. That's one of the main things I'm working on right now is having a better sense of humor. Um, in the past, I, I haven't had the best sense of humor, um, been too like reactive or sensitive to, to things. Um, but, uh, just too, I've been too serious, but it's just, just my upbringing, like how I grew up. Uh, it forced me to be really, really serious on stuff. Um, but the when you're the leader, your job is not to make a mockery, a joke, everything. Your your job is to give direction to your team, to your students, and your students are going to have anxiety, fear, stress, and problems nonstop. If and and they're going to be needy. And if you don't want to do, if you don't want that, then don't be a coach. Don't be a leader. If you don't want to solve that, if you don't want to have to, if you don't want to, if you're not prepared to answer a phone call on a Sunday uh, morning that one of your students is dealing with, um, you know, they just uh, just dealt with, um, 
you know, they, they, they had to answer a call they, they, for work and it was dealing with a, a suicide um, and they're, they're going to call you and they're going to, they need to unload and talk to you. Um, if you're not prepared for that, then don't be a coach because it's not just jiu-jitsu or boxing or kickboxing or whatever. Um, that's the easy part. This is, you also need to have a mastery level before you start teaching. You have a mastery level of whatever your martial art is because that's not the, the – teaching the martial arts actually the easy and fun part. Um, that's the easiest part. The the more difficult part is you're you're a counselor and a therapist. Um, like I said, you're you know you're gonna talk to people that are going through divorces, breakups, you know whatever. They will be. You'll talk to students that are um, having mental breakdowns. They're going bankrupt. They're they're suicidal. They're depressed. They're super anxious. They're they're super excited. They just won a world championships. They're they're um, you know they're. Now their their spouse is you know the the cheated on them or whatever you're gonna have to deal with the whole spectrum. So um, I'll say if you if you think that you want to have a gym or you want to be a coach, you're not prepared for that. Um, you either need to change that mindset or just know it going in like that's what to expect and don't become a coach or um, you could be an investor if you don't want to be in part of that. You can be an investor, but if you actually want to be a coach, it's not just show up, teach class, and then you you know head out. I, mean, I had some early coaches that way. But uh, we'll go in that. Um, yeah, and not in my experience. Um, yeah, the the so like yeah the boundaries. Um, you know, gym parking lot. Also, a thing with the parking lots. Like yeah, I'm not. I'm. Uh, I am uh, speaking uh, with like dignity and respect. I'm taught being nice to people. I see them and stuff in the parking lot, whether it's other customers or just guests. Everybody. It's like be nice to everybody. They'll treat people the way that you want to be treated. Um, and uh, as I say, don't throw trash down in the parking lot. You know, this, uh, it's pretty cool if you look it up that um, graffiti and trash is actually uh, the, the cleaner a place is, the, with, um, it lowers the crime rate. Um, and if you, if you want to read the articles and the studies on it, it's, it's basically just that when you have trash or graffiti or if a place is not kept, um, that the reason why the crime rate increases is because when people see that subconsciously, it's uh, like, hey, that place is not upkept, so there's it's not monitored. So that would be a good place to you know do something that whatever that you don't want people to see. Uh, but when a place is um, when a place is nicer and cleaner, um, then then it's uh, the crime rate lowers because it's it's at, at a minimum when they when somebody looks at it, they're like, oh, that place is upkept that means it's monitored that's mean this is not the place that i want to do this thing because i don't want to get caught doing the thing that i'm doing um uh yeah but uh and again and look for some people look i'll tell you right now your your home life um with the whole boundaries and like kind of the the like hollow ground type thing of like the gym and stuff um like uh the the thing is your your home life could be uh terrible right now um it could be that uh you have a bad situation with your parents uh you could have some type of abuse going on you could be going through a divorce you know everything could be crumbling around you um but when you come to the gym it's uh leave it all i say leave it all the door you can talk to me about it but but don't don't take that out on your teammates and your training partners uh, my goal is that if everything else is crumbling down and everything else is terrible, when you come to the gym, you at least for a couple hours out of your day, you have a uh, fun, productive, uh, peaceful, like good environment, uh, you know, pos- positive environment. I mean, we're punching each It's funny to say peaceful, but yeah, we're punching each other and we're kicking and we're choking each other. Um, but 
but that's uh yeah so that's why it's like hey you know treat it treat it with respect um because you might be having a great day uh you know whatever and that's awesome then coming to the gym just adds to your day but some people are in a really rough spot and uh and uh, the having the culture of the gym being the correct is really important because that might be the only thing that the only part of their day that is uh, a positive part of their day. Um, now, like hopefully you obviously there's there's other outlets as well, like church and family members, uh, friends and everything. But might not have a good church you're a part of. You might not your you know your family might be all the issues where you or you don't get to see your kids or whatever it is. Um, so, of course, like spending time with your family having a cookout or something is awesome unless you don't have it or if your family is the the cause of the stress or the pain right now um so um yeah uh, so that's uh the boundaries thing um uh yeah the the leader's supposed to organize uh, like like society the, the organizing society is 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 create uh, societal systems, organizing societal systems. So that could be that's class schedule. That's the it's the class schedule. That's um, the lesson plan. That's the class structure. But it needs to be something where everybody in society can partake and enjoy it and get something out of it. From the advanced student to the beginner student, um, they should. I'm not opposed to having advanced classes like we have a competition class. Um, but you should also, with your standard class, uh, I would say something's wrong if an advanced student and a beginner student can't coexist in that same class. There's there's something wrong with your with your your training. And I, I'm not opposed to uh, female only classes because uh, some women. I get it if you don't want to wrestle around with a sweaty uh, sweaty dude or whatever. Um, I I get paid to do it, so you know whatever. But. Uh, I don't have a problem if it's a female-only class. Like, if that's your preference, uh, there's no problem with that. But I do think that there's something wrong if you can't have a – if your standard – again, your standard class, if it can't have males and females in the same class, there's probably something going wrong. There's something bad on the masculine side or on the feminine side. Um, something's going on with that. The The standard class should be uh, – should have a, a balanced societal system where people from different ethnicities, religions – um, uh, male, female should, should be able to coexist in the class and, um, should be good. If not, you're, if, if there's not, then, then it's usually it, you have a weak leader who is not, uh, creating rules and is not, uh, making people follow them. They're not having the hard conversations. They're not addressing things. Um, and that, that happens all the time because, uh, the, the, there's power vacuums. If you don't have a strong leader, if, uh, and they don't really care, um, and they don't step in and address things, then what'll happen is we'll create a power vacuum. And that's when, uh, someone will step into the leadership role. Um, and it just might be a tyrant and might be somebody that you don't want to be the leader. But if the leader is not stepping up and not actually being strong, doing what they're supposed to do, then creates that power vacuum vacuum. And then that, uh, that person steps in and then everybody hates that that person has stepped in, but none of them are willing to be the leader, uh, and step up either, or they feel like it's not their place or, you know, whatever. It's like, Hey, I've got a full-time career. I come here to the gym. I'm coming here two days a week to do jujitsu for fun. Like I'm, you know, I'm doing this, you know, I'm not trying to take on a second job or something. Um, so yeah, if you're a coach, it's your, it's your job to do that. Um, uh, the create the cultural zeitgeist, the cultural zeitgeist is just like the personality, um, you know, the personality. And, and that doesn't mean that everybody in the gym becomes a clone and a copy of each other. It's more of like my, my goal for the gym is, 
um, everybody to have a very competitive atmosphere, but also to balance being very competitive during sparring time, but then very cooperative during drilling, meaning, you know, you're sharing resources, you're sharing information, you're working on counters and new counters, and you find a, you find a good new YouTube channel or find a good new book, you share it with your partner, uh, you train your teammates, um, you know, you're not just trying to like hold something or, you know, you don't have to do this. Like, but, but once you get this really good dialogue where you can have the most, if you, if you were to come to the the competition class, we have some of the wildest conversations that are so cool. It is about the most, like the most wild things in society right now, if it's politics or whatever, but we have it in a really good uh, style where everybody's just exploring the ideas. Um, that's the, that's really the goal is where um, exploring the ideas and it could be any, it could be anything. Like we have some pretty in-depth conversations about politics and religion, all the stuff that makes people uh, normally nervous around Thanksgiving or whatever. But again, that's, it's like, uh, but nobody's like yelling at each other or anything. It's everybody's just exploring the ideas or thoughts. And um, and if you can't handle that level of conversation, it's fine. It's you know you don't have to partake. You can just kind of be chill and be quiet with it. But uh, um, or if you're just not in the mood, you're like, hey, I'm just in a jujitsu mood. That's that's fine. We talk about super in depth jujitsu. We debate the rules and and strategies and exciting the counters and everything. Um, but at the end of it, it's, it's, uh, all the debate and all the conversation is to, to better everybody in the room. It's not, um, not trying to dunk on each other or like, own, Oh, look, I own so-and-so. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's the, you know, I, I talk about on the podcast all the time, the goal for the, the cultural zeitgeist that, um, we're trying to, to create the, like, I remember me and Eric talking about this maybe six months after we opened the gym, um, we were getting people come that were coming to train with us from a lot of different gyms and they were like, Hey man, this is uh, really cool. You guys actually like take the time to explain stuff and you, you don't make fun of me cause I don't know like a hip escape or I don't know something. And, and we were talking, it was like, why would I make fun of you? You're, you're just ignorant to it. You don't, you don't know. Um, the only way I would like make fun of you, give you some stuff is like, if you're like super arrogantly confident about something you don't know about, then, I, then I'll call you out and I'll be like, dude, yeah, why? <laughs> like you're being arrogant, and you don't even know what you're talking about. Um, that's kind of funny, but yeah, the I noticed that a lot. Um, uh, I, I noticed it in basically every profession I've ever worked in, where people, um, it's like they're craving a reason, they're craving a way to like uh, be superior to somebody. So what they do, and we're actually going to talk about this, is the shadow king archetype. But uh, they they then uh, make fun of people when they start working at a new job and they don't understand the acronyms of that job. It's like how would they? Like they're new, um, but you're and you're having such an urge to like be superior to somebody, probably because you don't. Like you're not, you're insecure. Say you're insecure. You don't feel, uh, superior in your own like way, just your own life. You're, you're, you yourself, you're standing in the world. Um, so whenever you get a chance, uh, that somebody comes to your domain, your new work, then you're like, uh, rude to them and you, you make fun of them when they, they, it's again, they just don't know. It's like, um, you know, uh, but, uh, um, but yeah, well, what me and Eric were saying, Eric was like, yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Like if you're just if you know how to fight and you're nice to people, it's crazy because they're like, yeah, the, we would have students that would say they came from different gyms, and like, dude, they're just yeah, they're just rude to, they're just douchebags, and it's like, why would you do that? But again, that's somebody who's um, you know not not I would say they're 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 not happy with their life overall, so they're finding a reason to to dunk on somebody because it gives them a little repeat a little boost but then there also are very like competent skillful um 
just sadists, in which sadists again they they take enjoyment in the the physical or psychological pain of other people. So they are there are people that are really really good at sport or fighting or whatever, but they get enjoyment out of hurting other people, um, and that would be uh, sadism. But uh, uh, but yeah, the, um, those those people exist uh, also. Um, uh, the so with the cultural zeitgeist, the boundaries, codifying rules, all those, the the coach, the leader has to embody them. Embody them means that you actually act them out, you do them. So lots of times I'll say like you don't, people, you don't know something until you embody it, until you can act it out. So you can. That's the reason why you can learn an armbar, but it doesn't mean even though you could explain to me and show me how to do an armbar, doesn't mean that you know an armbar. Um, knowing an armbar means that you can embody it, you can act it out, you can do it in real life, not just theoretical and talk it out. So, uh, lots of lots of uh, bad leaders will they'll talk a whole bunch, but they yeah a bad leader a bad coach would be somebody who talks all this. They say all these things, but they don't embody those things. Um, and again, if you're a coach doing this, like you're not fooling anybody. Everybody, they'll figure it out pretty quick that you talk a big game, but you don't do any of the things you talk about. Um, you just talk a big game. Um, uh, and, and it's also like if you if you're if you're a coach and you embody uh, whatever your principles are, it will also keep you on a, I think a more accurate like path, or you'll give better advice. Because you'll know that whatever advice you're giving, you're going to have to do as well. One thing I respected with my wrestling coach in high school was we, we ran a 4.7-mile loop every day as a warm-up. But if anybody was frustrated, it was, it was hard to be frustrated because our coach did it with us. And he beat most of the people on the team. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's pretty tough. When I, I didn't like that about football coaches, that they would say talk a big game, but they wouldn't do it. My wrestling coach, he would talk the big game, and then he would do it. Um, and then, and he also was in his forties. So it's like, dude, that's awesome. Um, that you're, that you're in your forties, like say you're 45 and you're, um, and you're running that, that 4.7 mile loop and you're beating most of the, uh, 15 to 18 year olds. You're, you're running faster than the majority of them. Um, so, um, yeah. And so the other thing with the, the coaches that don't embody, uh, their, their rules and stuff they tend to have the the harshest, harshest rules, the harshest um, uh, expectations, and it's it's easy because if you don't embody them, it's really easy to have harsh expectations because um, and you, because you can just you can veer off the correct like there's no corrective course because you can just keep on going more extreme, more extreme, more extreme because uh, you're not doing it. You you have this with people that. Um, really, I notice with people that don't compete, if they don't, they don't do tournaments, they don't fight, they don't, they don't compete, um, and and they want to be in a position of authority. They'll talk really tough. They might have used to, they they probably used to compete, but they don't anymore. So they'll talk really tough about something they did or something that they know somebody did. Um, and it's really easy to talk that way if you're not doing it. Um, if you're actually doing it, you'll have a more balanced. You'll you'll have a clear uh, vision in the stuff you'll say. But yeah, the the people that compete the least tend to be the talk the most. And it's like it's like well, it's easy for you to say all this stuff and talk super hard because you're never getting actually tested. Um, but if I hear that, it's like okay, bullshit. You know, you uh, but <laughs> like bullshit. You're not you're not doing it. If you're not doing it, then like sorry, like I'm, yeah, not, not listening. Um, and when you're, when you're, uh, acting super hard, you're talking about how hard you are and how, uh, 
strict you are and all this stuff. It's like, or you used to be, but you're, but you're not. It's like, nope, that time's gone. There's guys uh, in their 40s, 50s, 60s that are, that are beasts and are, uh, that are killing it. And those are the, those are the people that, that if they, they give me a high standard, I look at them and I say, oh, sweet, awesome. You're, you're actually going to motivate me and I'm, I can follow your standard because you're actually embodying it. Um, and yeah, the, the right order on this video is, uh, the, like embody the right order. Again, it's just, the these would be, the right order would be called like best practices or the, you know, Pareto distribution, Pareto, Pareto, uh, principle, um, and you, you get this by studying uh, the highest level of all things, the, um, and you combine those together to, to make your team, your organization, as positive as is positive, where you're you're growing and learning as fast as possible. Um, um, let's see other notes I have. Uh, yeah, you have to uh, if you're going to be a coach, you have to be humble enough to uh, respect and look up to other people. Um, so uh, this is another mark I would say of a of a good coach or good leader is they have people that they look up to that they that they respect um, and they recognize that they don't know everything. They're not the end all be all because you're really not. Um, um, but, um, yeah, the, 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 like you could, you could meet somebody who's like, uh, anyway, I'll try, I'm trying to save time and not go too far tangent. Um, uh, did you, uh, you, you have to address problems with people directly, not social media or publicly, okay. Or behind their back. So this one is, uh. Yeah, this one's pretty straightforward. If you have a problem with somebody, like directly uh, talk to them about it. You need to directly n not make an Instagram story or a Facebook story, a Facebook post or Instagram post. If you have a problem with somebody, uh, talk to them directly. Uh, give them a call, shoot them a text, send them a DM, whatever it is. But you need to address it. Uh, or in person, you need to address it and you need to talk to them. Uh, you need to do it at the appropriate time. Um, not, you know, in the middle of the class or not when they're talking to a new student or something like that. Yeah, you need to address it the correct way at the right time and directly to them. Um, um, to the, this would be like, a, like doing the social media or doing it behind their back, whatever. This would be an expression of toxic femininity. There's, there's toxic max, masculinity, um, you know, toxic mass. I think people are probably more familiar with toxic masculinity. Um, like a easy way I could say is toxic masculinity would, uh, use aggression and physical force, um, to keep, uh, uh, others that like could potentially challenge you, um, uh, or just to keep other people down. So like the, the bully type character. Um, uh, so the, the toxic masculinity is just, you know, every, that one's pretty easy <coughs> again, using physical, um, uh, aggression or intimidation to, to get your way. And, um, uh, that's a easy one on toxic masculinity. And then, and also like using physical force when you're in a debate with somebody and you can't win the argument or can't win the debate with your intellect using uh, physical force. That would, that would be like expressions of toxic masculinity. Um, but the, the interesting thing, if you look it up, uh, women, females are just as aggressive as males. Um, the, it's, it's really interesting data, but just as aggressive as males, it's just, uh, lots of people think men are more aggressive than women. Uh, but women, and if you talk to women, like I have this, I've had this conversation with, uh, uh, obviously with Stephanie, but several of my female friends, um, and we talk about, it, they're like, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you just have to, you know, you just have to unpack it. And it's, it's, uh, female, females are just as aggressive as males. It's just expressed, uh, differently. Uh, males, it's physical aggression. 
females, it's more verbal and it's character assassination. Um, so, you know, and when you're in school, the, the, uh, like the female aggression would be, um, you know, calling, uh, trashing a girl's reputation and calling her a whore or, um, something, you know, something that's going to hurt her. Uh, it's a character assassination. Um, that now the, the data is on the actual data, the social psychology on it, on male, female aggression is, uh, pretty like, uh, fleshed out. Like there's a lot of data and information. Uh, the theory, a, th- a theory that I have heard is that the female aggression is, um, more covert and um, more in, it's more indirect it's more more clever um, so the character assassination or um, uh, like going behind people's backs and you know uh, the, the reason for it is just that uh, the, the the or the theory the evolutionary theory psychologist theory is that um, females because females are childbearing and they're going to be pregnant and also be the primary caregiver for infants um that it's le- that it's more dangerous to have direct confrontation when you're pregnant or if you're caring for an infant so it's uh it's so your confrontation needs to be more uh tactical or covert um but um but yeah the 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 expression of the toxic femininity would use you know the character assassination um this would be like gossiping behind people's back uh gossiping behind people's back creating a social media campaign uh to you know try to destroy somebody's family life career um you know, or, or as little as like just basic, basic gossiping. There's different levels, you know, just gossiping some behind somebody's back when you have a problem with them instead of addressing it. Um, you know, there'd be lower levels of toxic masculinity. It might just be like, um, because you're the bigger, stronger person cutting somebody off in line, uh, when you're getting coffee, uh, just cause you can, uh, and then taking satisfaction in it. Um, um, yeah, and both of them are bad. Toxic masculinity is bad. Toxic femininity is bad. Um, I like, uh, like I'd say like a positive, positive masculinity. This is all symbolic, uh, language as well. Positive, uh, masculine, like, uh, symbolic language. It would be addressing it to the person, uh, airing grievances and coming up with a plan to solve the problem. So it's not just complaining or not just uh, addressing it, you know, just for the sake of addressing it, but it's coming up with a problem. And then the positive feminine uh, energy would be to uh, have the grace and empathy to listen to the what the other person says. So actually listen, like actually listen to them, not just wait for your chance to turn, but actually listen, try to uh, use empathy where you project yourself into their body or their brain uh, and see it from their perspective. Um, and then uh, the, um, uh, and then you know having the grace and the ability to forgive them if uh, if they are sincere and understand that everybody's make everybody's going to mistake make a mistake nobody's perfect and everybody's on the path of improvement. Um, again, this is symbolic ling- uh, language uh, describing feminine and masculine energy. Uh, men and women both have a mixture of feminine energy, masculine energy. Um, if you're more interested in this, like there's, you know, the, like, uh, it, again, it's just symbolic language. It's just to represent, um, like the, the Taoists do, uh, like where interest in aesthetics would be a feminine interest in things would be more masculine. Um, but there can be feminine men, masculine women, um, you know, the, and it, it adjusts as well. You're not just one thing all the time. Um, this is not a transgender thing at all. This is just psychological. These are psychological terms for describing different traits. Um, 
you know, a simple way to say is like masculine energy would be focused on, you know, creating standards and maintaining standards, discipline, etc. Feminine energy would be a reju- reju- rejuvenating uh, force. Like, you know, like there's probably a reason why nothing makes you feel better than like a hug from your mom. Like nothing's like more rejuvenating and, and makes you like uh, feel feel better than a hug from your mom uh, and, and empathy and grace. So, um, but, but if you're going to be a leader, like, yeah, you need to, uh, use the, don't, you need to use the, the positive masculinity, uh, symbolism word, not the toxic femininity side of the gossip. Um, I mean, you need to use both of them. You need to use the, the positive of both the masculine, uh, energy and the positive of feminine energy. Um, yeah. So, um, it, it, if you would think, uh, like an example of a, a man that would have, uh, good feminine energy would be a man that's you know tough all that good stuff like super tough guy um but then like tim kennedy i would give as an example um because super tough guy super capable really good fighter you know ufc fighter uh, green beret special forces really good shooter all that good stuff but also can speak with a soft tone can actually listen has interest in aesthetics which is you know how you dress and what you look the design of a room etc uh interest in people and psychology um um, but, and, and also empathy as well. And then you could have, uh, uh, a female, uh, where it's, uh, in touch with the masculine side would still be, uh, would have the focus on standards, disciplines, would have the ability for physical aggression if necessary to protect herself or uh, a loved one or somebody else, um, uh, is still a woman and still has all the feminine, uh, great feminine traits, but also uh, has integrated the masculine side so that she doesn't get pushed around um, and intimidated by people and also and, and then inspires that and in, in other people as well. Um, you know, uh, probably I'll do another podcast on uh, on that one another time. But let's see. Uh, so now we got the, the next half of the yeah, going back to the video. Here we go. Uh, step two, the, the, the job of the, the coach leader uh, providing fertility and blessing. Uh, might not be what you think. Providing fertility and blessing. You are a mother. We rise from out of the soul of you. In pre-patriarchal times, Mother Earth was seen as the primary source for fertility in humans, crops, herds, and the natural world in general. But when patriarchal cultures became more prominent, this emphasis on the feminine as the source of fertility shifted, at least on a cultural level, towards the masculine. As a result, the archetypical king became directly linked to the fertility of the kingdom. If the king was healthy and righteous, a true embodiment of the right order, his realm too would be fertile and prosperous. We see this when Simba returns to Pride Rock and rain cleanses the land. And when Aragorn reclaims his throne and the white tree that long stood dead blossoms again. Providing blessing is more of a psychological or even spiritual event which the king does by affirming and praising the goodness and virtue of the people. By acknowledging people in their true worth, they feel healed and made whole. It fills a certain emptiness that exists inside all of us. One that can only be filled by blessing from the king energy. By Athena, how far was it you threw your man wrestling at the last Olympic Games? Will you match it with your spear? One traditional way the king did this was by holding audiences and literally seeing his subjects to listen to them and bestow them with honor and rewards. 
When kings fail to perform these functions and access the king archetype in its fullest, they risk experiencing the shadow king. The shadow king is the bipolar, dysfunctional form of the king archetype. It has two. Okay, so the shadow king's next. The bad, the bad leader, the bad coach. We're gonna hit that next. So now the second uh, role of the coach, the leader, uh, to bestow fertility. So best, uh, bestowing fertility. What they're talking about this is. Um, uh, it's affirming the goodness of the people. So when people do good things, uh, your students, your athletes, you have to give them credit. They deserve it, okay? You, it's not about you. You're the coach. You're not the center of attention. It's not about you. It's about them, okay? Like if you if you think it's about you and you're the coach, you're wrong. One of my red flags with this, if I see a company named after the the, the person, the coach or whatever, or the name, their name has to be on it. It's like, a, that's a red flag for me. It's not about you. It's about your students. You, you're supposed to be a good coach for them. The coach is not the star. The athlete is the star. Um, the, it's not what the coach wants. It's what is best for the students. Um, and you, yeah, the affirming the goodness of the people is when they work really hard, you have to compliment them. When you see that they're getting good, you have to compliment them. If you notice that one of your students has more potential than you do, they have more natural talent or they're working, they, they are going to be better than you one day. You have to actually be happy about it and not be jealous. I see this all the time where people that are good, they're really, really good. They're really talented. But once somebody else, they see somebody has... Uh, that same talent or maybe more talent than them, then they start being shitty to that person. Um, and it's because it makes them feel insecure. They're only happy if they're the best. And it's like, no, that's not, you're not going to be a good coach. You're not going to be a good leader if you like that. It doesn't make you bad um, to, it doesn't make you bad or any less if, if somebody is better than you uh, or if they, they, they're learning faster than you. Uh, that's good for them. You, your job is just to be the best version of yourself as possible. So, but you, you have to be able to give credit and praise to people when they're getting better. Um, cause if not, you're, you're trying to hold them down. You're, you're going to make your team weaker. You're going to make your students weaker. Um, they should get the shine that they deserve. Um, uh, yeah, praise good behavior. Um, so give it credit. Um, like you, and so you have to actually care. You have to actually pay attention to your students. You can't just go through the motion. You have to actually notice when they're when they're making improvements. And it's not all the time. It's not every day that you have them compliments or anything. Because if you give too many, then it doesn't mean anything. Just like with the cussing, if you say it too often, it doesn't mean anything. Um, but when you have to actually pay attention, and when you notice, and don't give a fake compliment if it's not there, it's not there. Um, but when you actually notice improvement, instead of uh, trying to all the time, this is, we're going to go to Shadow King next, but the Shadow King all the time, uh, when they notice somebody's getting good, they try to they try to push it off. They try not to give it credit. Um, yeah, you have to give awards. The, the, the awards of the fertility, um, the, the, the awards, the, the credit, uh, the belt system, like, you know, some people think the belt system's stupid. It's not, it's not stupid. Um, the fertility is, everybody thinks of as just making babies or whatever. It's, it's fertility. It's the, your, by bestowing fertility, by rank, um, credit promotion, what you're doing is you're, you are creating or breathing more life energy so that they can create more. Like what you want, people who are going to work hard and be creative, you, you want to feel, you want to refill their energy, their creativity and their energetic, uh, their energy gas tank. And, and people who, work really hard and are really creative. Like the, obviously they do want to make money. They want to do stuff, but 
lots of times, as silly as it is, they just want somebody to, hey, good job. Like, I'm still like this. If, if one of my coaches, like, gives me credit, like, for work hard, it feels great. It, it, money feels great. Awesome. But also somebody that you respect that gives you credit um, uh, for, for the hard work. It's, it's a intangible. This would be, you know, if, you're, if your father tells you, you know, really good job on something you've done. It is an intangible um, happiness, happy feeling that you get um, that's, uh, that's, that's awesome. And if you're a leader, if you're a coach, that's, that's your job too. Um, yeah, it's not about you. I got that next on the notes. Yeah, it's not about you. You're you don't have to be the best person in the room. You don't have to be the biggest person, whatever the most titles. Your your job is your job is when you're an athlete to get as many titles, as many stuff much stuff as possible. And then when you become a coach, your job is whatever you did. If you were a um I won two national titles and two world championships. If none of my students can outdo me, then I've failed as a teacher and a coach. My job is to create students who win three world championships and three uh, national titles. Like I want my students, I actually want my students to do better than me. That that would be a mark of success to me um, if they if they uh, surpass me and are better. Um, yeah, to be, a, be a, to be an athlete, you have to. To be an athlete, you have to be uh, selfish, um, and to be a, a coach, you have to be selfless. Uh, my my coach Robert Drysdale told me that uh, years ago. Uh, it's but it's a good way to think about it. Um, so now we'll go uh, to the Shadow King. Here we go, cool stuff. Two connected poles: an active one known as the Tyrant, and a passive one known as the Weakling. The Tyrant hates, fears and envies new life, which he perceives as a threat to his kingship. He acts violently because behind his threatening front lies the weakling, a man who is not truly centered in himself and is lacking inner structure. Because of this, all beauty, all strength and all life energy is an assault on his passive insecurity, making him irrational, paranoid and abusive towards others. A Shadow King identifies himself with the King energy, he is his own priority. This is the man who needs to be seen and admired, who has to be the king or otherwise he feels he is nothing. We see the Shadow King in Scar ruthlessly tyrannizing Pride Rock while fearing the return of Simba. We see him as Macbeth whose self-serving ambitions lead him into paranoia and madness. But more virtuous kings also experience the Shadow King, because just like the King archetype in its fullest, its shadow form is also present in all of us. King Theoden experiences the Shadow King when he is vindictive towards Gondor. If the beacons of Gondor are lit, Rohan must be ready for war. Tell me, why should we ride to the aid of those who did not come to ours? And when General Patton visits a hospital and encounters a traumatized soldier, he is briefly confronted with his own weakness and lashes out violently. Send him up to the front! You hear me? You goddamn coward! So what qualities distinguish a great king from a shadow king? Unlike a shadow king, a great king disconnects his ego and his own desires when performing the two functions of the king archetype, which is an important factor in separating infantile grandiosity from realistic and mature greatness. 
A king is ultimately but a mortal man, a temporary steward of the enduring king energy, like a planet orbiting a distant star. A great king therefore recognizes his own mortality and knows that someday his time will come and new life will take his place. A king's time as ruler rises and falls like the sun. One day, Simba, the sun will set on my time here and will rise with you as the new king. He may have his personal feelings and selfish desires, but a great king ultimately acts out of the responsibility to his kingdom. For it is here that his transpersonal commitment lies, a devotion beyond himself and beyond his own ego, a reminder to the great king that he too is a servant to something higher. When a king accesses the king energy in its fullest, he brings qualities of calm, centeredness, integrity and life force to himself and his kingdom. Just like we too can access the king archetype and invite these qualities into our lives. In fact, being out of touch with this energy and giving the power over our lives to others can lead to catastrophic consequences as those we make our kings may lead us into abuse, madness and death. But when we access the king energy correctly, we will hear ourselves speak from an inner authority. We will recognize others as full persons and have the capacity to care for them deeply and genuinely. The great king today is a man who inspires passion in his subjects, who recognizes their fears and struggles and tells them it's okay, who tells them it's not their fault. It is the man who stands for peace in a time of violence. The grandfather who sets aside his own embarrassment to encourage his granddaughter at her dance recital. It is the father dedicated to giving his son a better future. The pilot who keeps his cool when everyone else is losing theirs. It is the man whose voice comes from the center that lies within every man. A voice that minimizes punishment and maximizes praise. A voice that affirms clearly and calmly and with authority the human rights of all. All right, so yeah, the Shadow King, uh, I just let it play out, and that's the, the completion of the video, so didn't want to finish it uh, on the, on a negative note on the little, just to end it on the Shadow King. So the Shadow King, I'm going to have to add to this too because uh, we're almost about to hit our, our 60-minute limit. Yeah, the Shadow King, the active, uh, the, the active being the tyrant, um, uh, the it's... So again, in my notes, I've written three or five times, three, four, five times I've written, it's not about you. So the Shadow King thinks that it's uh, about them, the, the coach. the the and Again, this can happen to everybody. You can be a good coach, and this is something that you always have to fight against. You Nobody's just perfect, and this is always there. You have to be aware of this, and you have to work against it. Because as people compliment you, and you become a coach, and you start getting credit, people start complimenting you. You will, and you need good people around you to challenge you as well, or to let you know when you're getting uh, turned astray. Um, and they're not going to gaslight you and just try to tell you, challenge you, just because they're trying to um, to try to cut you down. As either you need to have really people around you that you really trust. Um, but the yeah the shadow king the the active uh, side of the shadow king the tyrant um, you know any this is what I was talking about and this is not just a coach this could be your teammate this is but 
but really important for a coach because I see it a lot with this one's about coaches, but um, I've seen it plenty of times, but the threat to their kingship or their leadership. Um, and that's when they notice, it says that any, any uh, expression of strength or beauty or skill, these are all a threat to their kingship, meaning um, they're insecure that if somebody's stronger than them, faster than them, more technical than them, more talented than them, uh, better looking than them, whatever it is, that whatever thing that they wish that they were the best at, um, when somebody ha- is better than that than they are, um, they see that as a, as a threat to them. Uh, so what they want to do is they want to hold the hold that person down, and they'll they will. Either if they can physically, verbally do it, they'll try to knock them down with little verbal things. This is what's funny is lots of times people make jokes, but those jokes are uh, – they would be an expression of toxic masculinity where they're not actually – the joke The joke is trying to keep you down. The joke is – it's not trying to keep you humble. The joke is trying to keep you in a weakened state because they notice that you start getting better um, and they're trying to get underneath your skin. They're trying to mess with you. Um that uh, I see that all the time. I, I see it all the time. I still see it. Uh, I've seen it in every gym I've ever been in. I've seen it with coaches, athletes, and I still see it. It happens all the time. Um, you know, it's like the the elephant. The, the the you take a baby elephant and you tie the rope around their ankle, put in a stake in the ground, and then they get programmed to where they they don't think they can pull that stake out. And even though they're a full grown elephant, they can't pull the stake out. Uh, that type of thing. Um, and and some and lots of people don't know this. Like they don't know that somebody's doing that to them, um, especially if they are introspective and they're trying to be a good student. And when that's happened to them, they think they're just getting torn down for no reason by their their coach or by their teammates. Um, but that's uh, the, the the shadow king, the the, the tyrant showing itself. Uh, um, yeah, keeps down any beauty, strength, or talent. Um, yeah, the. Um, Okay, I'm almost at my time limit, so I'm going to have to add a part two. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I'll just add start uh, part two. One second.